Welcome to the podcast of River City Community Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.rivercitychicago.com. Thank you. Um, So let's just start with the word of prayer. God, I thank you for your presence here that we've felt already as we've worshiped together. We know that you are here and that you have a message for us that um, I just pray that all the circumstances, including me, would get out of the way and we we would be able to just be open, have open hearts to hear what you're speaking to us so that we can um, take what you have for us today and, and incorporate it into our lives and really live lives that are worthy of your calling. So we're counting on you, God, uh, in these next minutes to teach us from your word. In Christ's name, amen. And I believe Daniel is at Soul City Church today, so that's, that's kind of fun. We'll have to listen to the tape. They don't have tapes anymore. They have streaming something. Um, So we're we're going through Psalms, and and those of us who are speaking, we're in a series uh, looking at different um, chapters from the book of Psalms. And we could kind of pick whatever one we wanted early on. And so I knew what I wanted to pick, but I thought, well, I'll wait because I don't want to, you know, steal it from someone. And no one chose it. So I got it. I'm so excited. Psalms 23. I recall, um, I know you probably can't tell now because I'm kind of old, but I used to hike a lot, and I hiked um, a big portion of the Appalachian Trail. And there's a portion of the trail that you really um, have to have a permit to hike. It's in the Smoky Mountains, and you have to have a permit, and you have to stay in the shelters that they've built for that very purpose. Well, I ended up going kind of last minute. A friend of mine was going to go visit her brother, and I could ride along, and she could drop me off and pick me up, at, you know, uh, five or six days later. And so I decided at the last minute to go, and I didn't have a permit. So I didn't know now. You could be in jail for six years and be fined $5,000 for hiking that area without a permit. So the whole time I was hiking, I was kind of fearful And uh, I couldn't stay in the shelters because they were reserved. Everybody would know I didn't have a permit. So I would then have to go off the beaten path and try to find a spot where I could put up my little tent and go unnoticed. And I was by myself, by the way. I've done that several times by myself, gone on the trail for a week. And I was, to be honest, I was scared to death. I was scared that something would happen and no one would find me. I was afraid I was going to get caught and go to jail um, I was afraid of just the, the elements, you know, being out there in the woods. And, you know, it's kind of scary being by yourself, trying to survive. Um, and that trip, I had my little, you know, my little New Testament. We didn't have, back then, you couldn't, you couldn't access the Internet because you're out in the woods. But I had my little, new t- my little uh, Bible, not New Testament, Bible. I guess it was a New Testament and had Psalms and Proverbs. Remember the Gideons used to have that one? And I started going through the 23rd Psalm and memorized it. And, oh, my goodness, I remember once being out of water 
and walking and walking and thinking there's got to be water. And you have your little maps, but sometimes you go to where the water's supposed to be and you don't see it or you can't find it or it's dried up. And I remember walking and walking and walking, getting to a point where I really thought I was going to die if I didn't have water. And then there was a, a rock where something like some dew had dripped onto this little little cove in a rock. And I remember putting my face in that rock and just, you know, and slurping it up and, and realizing how important it was to have that water, how essential that was for life. Just so many lessons I learned on that trip. But enough about me. Let's look at David. Pastor Daniel preached a few weeks ago um, from Psalm 22. Do you remember that? Psalm 22, where it says that um, David, he, rem- he, he, he said in verse 8, he trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Can you imagine? Here's David um, who in, in Psalms 22 once says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey out of their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. And then he goes on and he says so many things that are exactly what happened to Christ a thousand years later, where it has become, David was in such distress that he could figuratively imagine Christ on the cross. And he prophetically spoke words that were spoken by Christ on the cross and set up a situation that was very, very prophetic of what was going to happen to Christ. He was definitely in some kind of anguish, David was, as he's going through this process of describing Jesus on the cross. David had a practice that is is something that I think we can learn from. And it, it was in... I'm sorry, I'm losing myself here in my notes. Um, in, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David, and, you know, you have to forgive me, I go back to the King James as I, you know, read through Scripture years and years. In the King James, it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. David was in deep distress, and yet he found strength in the Lord, his God, it says in the NIV. David was, was the one who would say, my, you know, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He would question his own, his own stress, his own anxiety. Why are you so, he talked to himself, why are you so downcast? Why so disturbed? And then he would answer himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So here we have Psalms 22 and Psalms 23. When you look at them together, it's like bookends of 
crazy good and stinking awful. It makes you want to keep looking for the hope that's in everyday life. So David then answers his distress by strengthening himself in the Lord. And he provides what I think is kind of a manifesto. And I want to encourage you to think about your deepest pit, your darkest valley, your most awful situation that you've ever been in, and maybe you're in it right now. I don't know. I've been through some stuff. You might be going through some stuff. And I want to introduce this practice of David, of strengthening yourself in the Lord, of talking to yourself, of centering, of making a, a, a mantra. I, you know, people don't like to use that word mantra because it sounds Buddhist, Buddhist but mantras really are, are these words that you just can speak over and over and over. I suggest you take Psalm 23 and just dwell on it for a few weeks. Take it line by line, verse by verse. Let it speak to you because it's going to center you. It's going to de-stress you. It's going to give you hope, and it's going to bring you out of your darkest pit. We get to use David's manifesto. Maybe you need to write one of your own. Maybe you can look back at situations in your life where God has met you, where God has been there for you. Because David was a shepherd. He knew sheep. He knew what it was like to be out under the stars and have animals attack his flock. He knew what it was like to care for those lovely, you know, I grew up on a farm. Everybody likes to say sheep are stupid. It's not stupid to trust a good shepherd. It's not stupid to rely on someone who's taking care of you, who cares for you deeply, who provides for you. We always had a lamb that something happened to the mother, and we'd have to bottle feed him, and that little lamb would follow me around. I, you know, I have a story that I wrote in my book, and I've told many times of once going out to milk the cow and finding a frozen baby lamb laying by the door and thinking it was dead, but picking it up and feeling the warm flicker of breath on its nose, and then I took him into the house and put him in a box and wrapped him in blankets and held him until... Pretty soon I heard, bah, and he was alive. And, I, and, and there's this sense of sheep, yeah, they, they depend on, they need help. They're vulnerable. They need help, and we do too. I can't to this day eat mutton because it tastes like those little lambs smell, and I just can't do it. <clears throat> David strengthened himself in the Lord. Where do you go when you're feeling distressed? You might want to make an audio, voice recording, talk to yourself so that you can play it back when you're in a pit. Write down your encouragement manifesto, your phrases that lift you out of darkness. So let's go to Psalm 23 and read this beautiful portion of scripture together. Okay, so we need to stand and... Do we have it on the screen? All right, so you don't even have to pull it up on your phone. Don't take the time to do that. Just look up at the screen. Can you read it with me together? Okay, is this the NIV? Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. You can be seated. The Lord is my shepherd. David was a... David was able to look at how he cared for his sheep and understand that's how God, his Lord, his shepherd, took care of him. He was able to relate that kind of love to his own personal life. He he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now I'm going to give you a few phrases that uh, you can write down if you want or you'll just remember because they're so easy to remember. But how would your life change if you realized that you, at this moment and in the future moments, have everything that you need? You have everything that you need. You lack nothing. You, you have enough money. You have enough time. You have enough friends. You have enough love. You have enough care. You have everything that you need because God is your shepherd and he's going to take care of you. God will take care of you. You have everything that you need. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Green pastures are for eating, aren't they? For consuming. It's like if the grass is green, then let's go for it. You know, you have a green light, get going, let's consume, 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 more, 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 busy, busy, busy. But to lay down in the midst of all that, when everything is green and up and to the right, to stop, isn't that when we really do need to stop, to lie down, to rest, to drink deeply? of the calm waters to reflect. I wanted to read this. I wrote a book. Shireen didn't know I wrote a book. She said, you wrote that book? I'm like, yeah, I wrote a book. It's been a while. I get it. But I did write a book. Um, And so I wanted to read a part of it. And it's from this section that I wrote about called uh, Driven by Need. During an especially busy time when I had two preschoolers at home, I reached a crisis point. I was getting further and further behind in my work. I had a lot to do. The house was always a mess. I had stacks of papers everywhere. I was eating too much of all the wrong foods and feeding my young children crackers all day long. The laundry was never folded and put away. The kids learned they could find clean underwear in the clothes dryer and wrinkled shirts amid wrinkled shirts and slacks. Time alone with God had become non-existent. In the height of my frenzy, I called a friend and began to unload my growing anxiety into her patient ear. Our Lois, she said, 
when I finally stopped to take a breath. I just finished reading something I think you need to hear. Listen to this. Never doubt. Have no fear. Watch the faintest tremor of fear and stop all work, everything, and rest before me until you are joyful and strong again. My work in the world has been hindered by work, work, work. Many a tireless, nervous body has driven a spirit. The spirit should be the master always and just simply and naturally use the body as need should arise. Rest in me. Nothing is as important as the condition of your soul, Arloa, she warned. I suggest you stop everything. Get away somewhere where you can be alone with God, where you will not be interrupted, and tell God you will stay there until he's finished ministering to you. Wow, that was, that was a huge message for me at the time. In fact, I was teaching GED in a little trailer in a junior college in Keokuk, Iowa, and I uh, had the key to the trailer, and I told my husband that I needed time away, and I took the day, and I went to that, that trailer, and I just spent time with God. I didn't know what to do. I was just there, quiet. I remember the acronym STOP came to my mind, and I took out a notebook, and I wrote S-T-O-P. And then I thought, wow, the S is for stop. Okay, I'm stopped. And then I thought, the T is for thank. And so I just started to thank God for everything I could think of. I wrote down all the things I was grateful for. The O, I decided, was for open. Do you know when you open your heart to God, God will comfort, God will restore, God will bless So I got to the P, and I was kind of stuck. I didn't know what the P was for. This is as I'm spending time alone with God in the trailer. What is the P for? I I, I couldn't even think of a word, and, and I picked up a dictionary, and I started paging through the P's, and I got to this word, and it was like, this is it. This is my message from God, and it was permute. Permute means things could be one, two, three, four, or they could be four, three, one, two, or four, two, three. Do you see what I'm saying? In mathematics, permutations are these different mixtures of the way the numbers can be arranged. And I realized my priorities had been out of whack. Number three had become number one. My time with God had become way too far down on the, on the list of numbers, and I needed to reprioritize permutation. That was just my little time with God. But wow, the change that that stopping will, will have in your life can make a huge difference. Lay down, lay down in the midst of it all. Drink deeply of the calming living water. He refreshes my soul, restores, refreshes, repairs. Those are beautiful words, aren't they? He restores my soul, the deepest part of me. When the soul grows sorrowful, he revives it. When it's sinful, he sanctifies it. When it's weak, he strengthens it. He does it. He restores us. It's his will to restore us. It's his wish to restore us. It's his passion to restore us. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Can you feel that? Do you want that? Just rest for your soul? You got to stop. You got to lay down. You got to drink deeply from the calming waters. And then it says that he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I spent a lot of time thinking about this um, the last few days. First of all, it's the second time in three verses that we hear he leads. He leads us to still waters, and he leads us in paths of righteousness. We're not getting beat up from behind, you know. We're not being pushed. We're being led. It's, it's up to us to just follow the good shepherd. But a path is interesting. and In fact, I was reminded of this poem, and I, I felt like it was too long for me to read, but it's this, this poem of, you know, centuries ago, a calf meandering through some grass. And just because he, he didn't really know where he was going, he curved and meandered, and that was that. Pretty soon, a, a dog caught that scent and followed that same meandering trail. And then there was a, 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 a cow and more cows, and they saw that, and, and they kept until pretty soon that meandering trail became a path where horses traveled, and then it became a road, and then it became a, a major highway, and it was all meandering, and it was all because that little calf <laughs> was trying to find his way. Okay, I don't know if that all makes sense, except here's what I'm trying to say. A path becomes a path because people walk that path. There are others before you who have walked the path of righteousness, which includes within it the meaning of our English word justice. God, the Savior, the Shepherd, will lead us down these paths of justice where others have gone before. Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has gone before. Malcolm X has gone before. Dorothy Day, Amy Carmichael. There are so many. Help me out, Donald, some more that have walked that path. You were seeing them earlier. Oh, there we go. Ida B. Wells have walked the path of justice, have walked this path. The shepherd leads us along the path of righteousness and justice, and we can count on that. God will lead you. And then there's this verse. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, in the King James, I think it says, the valley of the shadow of death. This gets used a lot at funerals, but really the the better interpretation is the darkest valley. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Here's something for you. God is with you in your deepest, darkest valley. You don't need to be afraid. Corey Tenboom, who lived in the Netherlands in 1892 and grew up in a devout Christian family during World War II, she and her family harbored hundreds of Jews to protect them from arrest by the Nazis. And then they ended up, the whole family went to prison. But she, she said this famous quote, There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. 
there is nothing that can come your way where God will ever abandon you and leave you. I don't care if it's your darkest secret sin. God is there with you. No matter what your challenges are, God is with you. You don't need to be afraid. His rod and staff comfort me. You can depend on God. God, the shepherds use the rod to protect the little sheep from predators and maybe to, you know, the the hook on the end of the shepherd's cane fits right around that little sheep's neck or his legs if he's going astray or if he's fallen down a cliff, he could be brought back up. It's to bring the sheep closer, to nudge them along. It's used as a protection device against the enemies of the, of the sheep and the, and the shepherd. You can depend on God to defend you, to protect you, and to comfort you, no matter what you go through. And then it says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. So that reference is an ancient Hebrew banquet tradition. When rich people had a banquet, they would invite only the people that they felt were important and worthy to attend. They wanted people to see who was at their party. So if you got invited to the king's banquet, that made you really special. So to have the shepherd create a table, a banquet, in the presence of one's enemies, where as people watched on, they had to stand off and watch as you enjoy the favor and the blessing of the Lord. You are favored. In fact, even the verse after that, or the words after that, it says, you anoint my head with oil. The, the, in, in the Bible, anointing was for kings and priests, for people who were honored, who were special. It was also used for sheep to keep the bugs out of their head. <laughs> so I don't know which one you want to go with. <laughs> there's the holy oil of anointing that makes you a prophet, a priest, and a king. And there's also the balm of Gilead that heals our sores and that keeps the bugs out of our ears. So one or the other, you are favored. The shepherd is watching out for you. Surely goodness and mercy, it says in the King James or here in the NIV, goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, You all have heard me quote, because I probably do every time I preach, Julian of Norwich who spent uh, uh, days and days in meditation and the words that God finally gave to her were so simple and yet so profound. They were all will be well, all things will be well, all manner of things will be well. So in the midst of David's distress, he recognized that goodness and mercy would follow him all the days of his life, and in the end, all would be well. The word follow there is kind of interesting because I used to think that meant, well, I'm going to do good, and then that's what's going to follow me. And actually, the word means to chase after. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? That goodness and mercy and love is going to chase after you all the days of your life. It's pursuing you. So stop. Let it catch you. (laughs) Stop in the green pastures. And let goodness and love and mercy catch up with you. 
Don't run away from it. It's chasing you. It's relentless. It's the, the hound of heaven is after you to bring you goodness and mercy and love always. So we're going to close so early. You're going to go home early today and have a nice leisurely lunch. But I just love this chapter, don't you? It's just so beautiful, and I just want to invite you to, to uh, ruminate over it and meditate on it in the days ahead. It's, it's a gift from David. It's a gift from God to us to remind us God will take care of you. You have everything that you need. God will restore your soul as you stop, rest, reflect. God will always guide you and lead you in the right way on the path that others will travel behind you of justice and righteousness. God is with you in your darkest pit, in your darkest valley. Don't be afraid. He will never leave you or forsake you. You can depend on God for protection. God favors you. You're highly favored. You are loved and cared for. You have, I forgot, the cup overflows. Let me just say, you have more than enough. The cup is life. You are, you have more than enough. It's overflowing. Your life is overflowing with goodness. You're being pursued by goodness and love. And ultimately, all will be well. All manner of things will be well. God, I thank you that in the midst of David's distress, he learned how to strengthen himself in you. That he could remind himself of these thoughts, these truths, that no matter what comes our way can never be taken away from us that we can count on, that we can lean on. So God, in our weakness, be our strength. In our distress, be our hope. When we're feeling lost, lead us and guide us. Anoint us, God, with your love, with your mercy, and lead us into your goodness and love. Thank you for this hope that we have in you. In Christ's name, amen.
Do you believe that tonight? Can we make a declaration tonight? Can we make a declaration tonight? You're unchangeable. Unchangeable. 